Hello, and welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. We're here in sunny Silicon Valley with a group of IT luminaries to debate a topic, a premise, if you will. Uh, will they support it? Will they shoot it full of holes? I guess we'll have to find out. I'd like to take a moment for our guests to introduce themselves before we get started with the premise for today's episode, starting with Keith. Keith Townsend, principal of the CTO Advisor. You can find me on the Twitters at CTO Advisor. Dan Kelcher, I am a solutions architect in the network and security space on Twitter at Ipswich. Hi, I'm Bruno Wallman. Um, I'm a self-employed network architect, and you can find me on Twitter at WallmanBruno or my website at brunowallman.com. All right, thank you all for joining us today. Let's jump into the premise for today's episode. Now, if you uh, have a buzzword bingo card at home, somewhere close to the middle, you're going to hear the term full stack engineer. And you probably asked yourself, that's an interesting statement, full stack. What, what exactly does that mean? How does that equate to what I'm trying to do? Who, who owns the stack? Which stack should I be working on? And if you've ever asked yourself any of these questions, you've probably been talking to yourself because there's a lot of need for these folks, but not a lot of definition of what they do. And so we're gonna come up with a pretty incendiary premise, especially for people out there like Scott Lowe, who have been very focused on uh, full stack engineering for quite a while. The premise is that full stack engineering is a joke. So I'm gonna open the floor here because we had some interesting discussions before we got started. What exactly do we mean when we say a full stack engineer? Let's define that before we start talking about how humorous they are. So I'm gonna take a stab at this. A full stack engineer is a, uh, let's use some more, more buzzwords, a 10X engineer, SRE, <laughs> a imaginary unicorn as if unicorns weren't real enough already. It is a person who has skill across, let's say two or more domains and bleeds over into a third domain. So they're a developer, for example, developer, network ops person, and they know IT change management. So we're gonna have to rewind things a little bit here for me, Keith, because. I'm kind of old, Okay. and when I started out in IT, we didn't talk about stacks. We talked about silos. There's the networking team, and the storage team, and the virtualization team, and eventually we got to the wireless team, and the security team, and, and everybody in here has probably read the Phoenix Project, so they understand this. How does the stack equate to my quaint little world of silos? So, in uh, yesterday's world, when we had a storage team, and we know they no longer exist because who needs storage anymore? Uh, <laughs> uh, that storage person is dedicated. They know, you know, they know how to configure lines on a VMAX. They know everything there is to know about NetApp ONTAP. They are an expert in storage. It didn't matter what company you put them in, they could do their job at that company because they were an expert in that single discipline. And that discipline had its own group, its own manager. That I actually talked to a company that had a VP of storage. So the question that I have then is, because you, you mentioned the fact that we had a storage team, but we kind of don't anymore because those teams started getting rolled together because a lot of the, the, the things that they did started to kind of 
coalesce more, more or less. You had the storage team started working with the virtualization team because it was all kind of a systems team. That team kind of transformed into the cloud team because all of the stuff that they did moved over there. The wireless and networking teams worked really closely together because while the wireless teams had expertise in the spectrum side of things, once it hits that other side of the radio bridge, it, it's all a packet anyway. The security team, okay, they, they didn't really play nice with anybody else. <laughs> but you started talking about developers, and you started talking about people across disciplines. And Dan, you kind of have a little bit of experience in some of these worlds. Are we talking about the fact that it's not just that you have to know the parts of the infrastructure stack, but you have to branch out to other areas of the organization to be able to understand how this works? If we're talking full stack, I, I would say that, yeah, that's, that's kind of the idea, that you, you have a, a broader a kind of a broader scope for what you're working with. Um, I was you actually I was going to use silos and then you use disciplines. So it's um, kind of that the more that you understand of what you're working with, the more pieces of the puzzle that you you understand. That's that's where I would say the value of that full stack part comes in. The challenge then becomes that's the unicorn. That's you have to know things that are outside of maybe what was kind of your traditional domain. Your you're extending yourself, so instead of just knowing this, you know, this programming language, now I have to understand how that's going to talk on a network or the different pieces there. So, yeah, I guess I would say you have to understand both the, the technology side, but also from a, a business standpoint, you know, customers, applications, how this stuff plays together. What are you trying to accomplish? Okay. So it's an interesting problem to have, and I can, I can speak to this because I have a degree in management information systems, which means I went to school for business and learned tech along the way, which is kind of funny because I was a tech nerd before I went to business school. So I know management and finance and marketing and all that other stuff, but I also know how to code databases because that's really what MIS is. So what you're saying is, effectively, you have to be like a renaissance engineer. You have to know a little bit about everything. But there's a problem there. So silos are very much in the IT world. Like we, we kind of, if, you, if I tell you that I work on a SAN, I kind of know where you are in the organization structure. But that full stack engineer touches a bunch of different places. Who do they report to? Because let's be fair. For us, it doesn't matter. For people with a C in front of their title, it very much matters who's giving people the orders. So in this case, is it a CISO? Is it a CIO? Is it a CTO? Is it somebody else that doesn't exist yet? Is it a chief people officer? I don't know. Somebody has to own this stack. So let's think about what the business need is for a full stack engineer. There's several, like if, it, we attended a, a, a field day a, a while back ago in which we talked about network automation. And if I'm a network, if I'm a director of network services, I need a full stack engineer. Like I could really use a full stack engineer, somebody who knows development, someone who knows network, uh, a CNP, CCNP level network engineer, someone who knows storage, uh, virtualization, cloud, databases, that would be awesome for me to have. But when you talk about I need a group of those people, where I typically see a group of those people uh, sitting in is some type of enablement team, like a cloud uh, platform team or a platform or a DevOps team. I hate that term, DevOps team. That's where I typically see them at. Now the question is, what, are the, what business need are they serving? 
I've generally seen the same thing um, in the businesses that I've uh, been dealing with is uh, they've been tied to initiatives. Um, they've been set up uh, during certain projects and things like that. So you've had a, what I've called them as tech leads. So they've been the great communicators between network, storage, um, servers, and sometimes applications, and maybe a little bit of development, but mostly on the infrastructure side. And where I've seen them report to, at least for the projects, is just the project manager for a while. But eventually, that should be rolled up into a permanent system where you have these tech leads kind of overseeing things and possibly reporting to a CTO to keep that communication going. So effectively, you're creating your own herd of unicorns where they, let's be fair, we're all networking people in the room, except for you, Keith, somehow you, you wound up in the wrong show. But um, <laughs> we, we've always heard this whole idea for the last several years that you know, as a networking person, you need to learn to program. You need to learn how to write Python code. You need to learn how to do coding because if you don't, you're gonna be irrelevant. I'm still waiting for that to happen because as of yet, I am not irrelevant and I haven't touched gear in, in many, many years. But how did we get from, I want this, full stack, you know, mythical creature that knows a little coding, that knows a little tech infrastructure stuff, that knows a little business results type thing to I'm going to force everyone on my team to have to learn all of those other um, disciplines, if you will. Because let's be fair, we know some very smart people in the world that can't communicate their way out of a wet paper bag. And I definitely don't want them to understand anything about how my business works. Like, you may know that there's a business need for what you're offering, but you don't understand the return on investment cost benefit analysis trade-off thing because you write code or you keep the lights on. So how did we get to that point where we tell people you've got to have this person and you need to go make them? So that's actually fairly easy. Uh, a few years ago, uh, startup, what was then a startup, Nutanix came on the scene and. They're, they're going to make storage and compute super easy. They're just going to collapse it all down into one, into one platform called hyperconverged. Then life is going to go be easy for storage and virtualization administrators. No need to have separate teams. The reality is, IT is additive. Like the, my argument to them was that this is just another platform. Like in a large enterprise, I'm going to have my Nutanix systems sitting next to my Dell servers, sitting next to my HPE storage, sitting next to my VMAXs, et cetera, et cetera. So IT, we have too much to do. And we've been getting cloud, and we've get, gotten all these other new things that we have to do. So as a resource manager, I need more skill. I need more skill on my team. Right, but the problem there becomes <laughs> that historically the way we fixed that problem was rather than telling Bruno that he has to know everything about that stack, Bruno knows the storage and the compute, and I'm gonna bring Dan in, and Dan knows the networking and the security side of things, and guess what, you guys are on a team now, or collaborate to make sure that this happens. So where did the mentality shift from, I'm gonna to put together a rock star team, to I want LeBron James to do everything for me? I think one of the things that I've seen is kind of this idea of, well, if I have one network engineer, one storage engineer, one developer, well, I only have one of each, but if I have one that can do all three, and I have another one that can do all three, and I have a third that can do all three, I've got three of each. And this idea that 
almost uh, an engineer is an engineer. And I've, I've used that kind of that analogy in a couple environments where they, this, this concept of you're a technologist. I can just throw technology at you regardless of the history, regardless of the skill set or the passion that you have. So, you know, yeah, you grew up as a, a storage engineer and now you're a network engineer because why not? And it's, it's one of those, well, yeah, if you're talking at a kind of a business level, sure, it makes sense. Let me give this, take this person, give them this skill set, things are better. But it's, you run into that, that passion thing where if, if I'm a diehard network engineer, or programming is usually one of the big ones like you mentioned, if I'm a, a diehard network engineer and somebody's like, you have to learn Python, I know plenty of people that were like, yeah, no thank you. So I'm going to put my contrarian hat on here for a minute so the top of my head doesn't get sunburned. Um, why are there no full-stack accountants? Why are there no full-stack executives? Why is it that technology is the group that constantly gets picked on, that we have to know everything there is to know about our domain when I go across the hall to HR and I'm like, I need a full-stack HR rep. They're like, we don't do that. We had full-stack accountants, and then things like Enron happened. And <laughs> so, 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 so I'll push back on that a the, the little bit. Of, so historically, accounting has, is a much much long, older discipline than uh, IT as we know it today. So let's go back before the spreadsheet. We had bookkeepers. Mm -hmm. And that entire industry has been transformed. It no longer is Excel and, and uh, Lotus 1, 2, 3 killed. Man, the, you, you are going deep with deep, Lotus 1, 2, 3. Uh, killed that, that industry. And now we have more accountants, which have absorbed the responsibilities of what a bookkeeper was. Like if I need to do a what if scenario uh, 50 years ago, I'd throw five people at it. Now if I need to do a what if scenario, I make two change. An accountant, a full stack accountant makes a change. So we've seen similar transformations. So what's happening in our industry, uh, let's, uh, cloud has democratized technology. I can now deploy a multi-site redundant infrastructure in five minutes in AWS, which used to take us months, if not years, to do. That compression of, of productivity, CIOs have woken up to us. I don't need a, I don't need a storage admin that d spends three days a week doing, uh, provisioning loans. I need someone who can manage storage, manage network, manage I, compute. I think there's um, two things uh, when you talk about full stack accountants. Um, the one is there's uh, there's regulations to follow. Like there's tax accountants, there's uh, you know auditing procedures they have to follow and things like that. And that you know that varies based on country, but most countries have accounting law that they have to follow. So that costs a business a lot of money if that's uh, not followed. In the IT world, sure there's some security compliance that you have to follow, but beyond that storage design, network design, application design, as long as it works somewhat, nobody cares. Like nobody's gonna get fined because your network is- I'm still getting my designed. email. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. The other, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, finish. The, the other part, the second part of that is, I truly believe that uh, in many cases, IT is still seen as a cost center mm. instead of a business enabler. So they don't wanna, train people, they, they just expect, um, you know, to Dan's point, they just, you're an, you're an engineer, you're a technologist, I can throw any technology at you, and 
you know, you're seen as lesser than if you can't take it on. Thinking back, I probably should have said a full stack lawyer because that actually kind of gets back to that whole disciplines thing of, you know, we have uh, contract lawyers and we have, mm -hmm. uh, you know, trial attorneys and things like that. There's no such thing as a full stack lawyer. And I know that because I have two friends who are very clear when they tell me what kind of law that they do. But I guess kind of to something that Keith said, and I'm, you know, again, I'm just going to put my contrarian hat back on. I don't need a full stack engineer. I need a cloud person. I don't need somebody who has like this entire unicorn skill set of ArcNet and Novell Netware and wireless. What I really need is somebody who doesn't have any preconceived notions about the way that a system is supposed to be so that they can log into the AWS dashboard and in the words of my friend Ivan Pepelniak, click, 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 done. So yeah. why am I not asking for that person? Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Every time you know someone worries about their job going away, you know, do I need a network engineer in the cloud? Do I need a storage engineer in the cloud? Wait until it breaks and then answer my question. The the, the cloud person. The cloud was, never goes down. The, okay, the cloud may never go down, but your app will. <laughs> so the guaranteed. And this is Tom. I think this is one of the things that I struggle with. Like as I look at big picture and the need to re, uh, train and retain talent, I can look at a Dan or a Bruno and say, you know what, stretch over in your years of networking experience, add development to that, and I have this thing that's super valuable. How do you do that with a 22-year-old? Like, what, what do you teach? I can't teach, generically teach a 22-year-old cloud. I, the cloud is still made up of network, compute, storage, databases, et cetera, and you need deep expertise in each one of those areas, and that's very difficult to get in someone who's only had a couple of years of experience. You only need deep expertise if uh, you want to try and reduce your cloud bills. <laughs> Other than that, you can just provision as much as you want. The business still has what they care, but it's really expensive. You know, I can run this on an eight core, one terabyte RAM instance. It, I know it's just a simple bookmark app, but I need all of the, uh, the available resources just in case. And, and whereas, you know, a, a seasoned veteran would go, mm -mm, no, do not do that. But and to your point, Keith, I think you're absolutely right. Training someone that's just coming into the industry, a 20X year old person, they don't have the technical debt that we carry with us, but they also don't have the knowledge and the experience to look at something and go, mm -hmm, that's a trap, and understand how those things work. So in essence, kind of what we're saying is, I don't need a full stack engineer, I need a full stack learner. I need someone who has the knowledge and capability to translate their skills from systems or networking or architecture into something that picks up pieces from across the board, which is why we see so many solutions that say that they're low code, because I don't want to scare off people by making them programmers, I want to ease them into it. Why I want you to understand the business requirements behind what we're doing, but you don't need to understand all of the, the calculations that go on behind the thing, I just need you to, to tell me that IT is not going to cost me money. Although, in that point, I would argue that HR is the biggest cost center because as far as I'm concerned, HR has never provided value to any organization in the history <laughs> of the world going all the way back to the Egyptians. But how do we get people to want to be full stack learners without scaring them off by telling them that I want this unicorn engineer? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal your contrarian hat and 
So we went from accountants to lawyers. I'm actually going to throw out doctors. Okay. So full stack doctor, you've got your, your GP. They know a lot, but they're, it's, it's very general. It's very broad. Yeah. An, an inch deep and a mile wide. Exactly. So they're going to, you know, you're going to go to your doctor and you're going to go, hey, my elbow hurts. They're going to go, well, here's a specialist. Go talk to, you know, this, this sports medicine doctor that, can, that specializes in that. So I think that's kind of the way when we start talking about this, it's that inch deep, mile wide, having somebody that maybe they don't have the answers, but they know who has the answers. They know who to talk to. So the, that when you start then talking about how do you get somebody to, be, to want to learn that, you don't necessarily take it from the you have to be super deep. It's you have to have an interest in learning. You have to be willing to just go and kind of dabble and see how these things piece together to be able to see the big picture. So understanding the, like I said, the, the individual pieces just enough to know how they relate and then who you need to talk to to go deep in that area. So, so I think Bruno mentioned the, uh, the tech lead that kind of does that. So. As soon as you started talking about that, that was the first thing I thought. Yeah. But what do you, Keith, what do you think? So uh, my, my old man brain is kicking in. And I remember in 2001, I had a coworker. I was at a consulting company. And the, our management team was trying to get younger engineer to say, hey, you know what? You have to sell as well as deliver. And he was like, no way. That's salespeople's problem. My, my job is to do the technology. And if the business fails because we didn't sell enough, that's not my problem. And that is absolutely no longer the attitude that a modern consultancy can take, nor the uh, learner. I can't just say, you know what, I'm a storage guy. I do, I, I like, to have, like to pick on the DNS guy. I'm a DNS guy. I like to do DNS entries. That's my only job. Fine. If you're an expert in the, if you have deep expertise, but everyone on a team has, in today's environment, needs to be cross-trained on a secondary technology or business value process. You have to be able to go to the bean counters, the CFO, and justify and say, how does your job add value to the people we sell products and services to? And if you can't make that connection, you're in trouble. That connection, uh, I'd also call that instead of just a uh, full stack engineer, I'd call it full stack communicator too. You need to be able to communicate in all those languages. And it's funny because being able to effectively communicate with the rest of your organization and help them understand things that you, you need to do is a huge skill that a lot of people would be do well to pick up on and we tend to relegate that to like project managers. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're the email person, take care of the email. All right, so like, Obviously, we've, we've kind of gone all over the place here. Um, let's get back to that premise, that full stack engineering is a joke. Obviously, it's not, and yes, apologies for the clickbait title, but we kind of had to run with it. So let's fix the punchline. What does it take to make people on the engineering side understand the value of whatever you want to call it, full stack engineer, full stack learner, um, you know, tech lead, whatever it is, but more importantly, how do we sell that value to the other side of the equation. So instead of just asking for whatever buzzword was in the latest analyst report and telling me I need a team of those people, they ask the right, they make the right ask to get what they really need. I think what you're really looking for if you want a full stack engineer is somebody who's curious, wanting to learn and want to solve problems. Um, there's, you know, there's plenty of people that uh, 
they just want the eight to five job and they just want to do DNS entries and that's fine. We need those people too. But if you're looking for full stack, you're looking for uh, a learner, a communicator and a problem solver. I, uh, really what I kind of get back to with this is that somebody that, that has a passion for learning but also gets bored kind of easily. Like, I'm learning networking. Hey, I got, you know, this deep and okay, like this is, I'm good here. This is, it was fun, but now I'm a little bored. So I'm going to go dabble in storage and okay, now I know what RAID means. Cool, but now I'm kind of bored. I'm going to go and you, you're jumping from, from technology to technology, from, from stack to stack. And you're, you're learning what they are, but you're not going into a, that like super nerd level where you want to know all of the nerd knobs and you know, two days into learning networking, you're like, I'm going to get my CCIE by the end of the week. You're like, ah, I'll get my CCNA and move on to the next thing. So it's, it's finding somebody that has that balance of I want to learn, but I don't necessarily want to go deep into a specific area. So if you're not that person, and I'm going to be the contrarian a little bit here, and you know, you're let's say you're close to 50 years old like I am and you want to just ride out the rest of your career. Uh, you're in a discipline like networking, you may be able to, you might be able to coast and, and get there. Maybe, I don't know, 15 years or so is a, a long time. Uh, a little stick and carrot. Like uh, if you're a DNS administrator, if you're IPM, IPM administrator, if you're focused on this low level value, you will get automated out of your job. Like it is just the reality of where CIOs need to go with their budgets and their resources and their overall what they're doing. They have to do more with the same number of resources. And if you are not, I hate the Amazon term raising the bar. If you're not raising the bar, the outcome you desire, which is basically making money to take care of your family so you can go home and play ball with your son or daughter, uh, you need to add a second skill to your portfolio or you won't make it to the outcome that you want. This is all about outcomes. The outcome of what the business leader wants and the outcome of what you want as an employee. If you're, if, if you're not adding a second skill set to a, 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 a what's quickly become a commodity set of skills, so you've been warned. I think that's a great place to, to to stop it here, Keith, because I am a huge proponent for many, many years of telling anyone who asks me, what is your one key tip for getting into technology and how to succeed? And it has always been never stop learning. The moment you stop learning, you become a statue and you will not progress any further. But it's not just about learning the new technology, learning the new commands in an operating system. It's learning everything else. Think of it like you know, filling in all of the details of the jigsaw puzzle. If all you do is look to build the kittens and not the flowers on the other side, you'll never finish. So you have to learn about business rules. You have to learn about communication skills. You have to learn about things as simple as organizational charts to understand all of the dynamics that happen inside of an organization. And yeah, unfortunately, that sounds really boring to most people who don't care about it, but that's what makes a person a full stack engineer. And when you have that skill set, you become infinitely valuable to your organization, either as a knowledge worker providing value in an organization or as a leader who can enable teams to do that. And like Keith said, if you want to be able to have a job 
through however long it's going to take for you to retire, you can't stop. You have to pick those skills up. That'll just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in. Remember that you can always find the latest episode of our podcast by going to our website, gestaltit.com podcast. You can also subscribe to our podcast feed in your favorite podcast application of choice, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts or any of the apps that are out there. If you do, do us a favor and leave a rating and a review so that people kind of understand what they're getting into, that this is an enterprise technology podcast and, and you know, we really like what they have to say and sometimes their premises are a little bit weird. But um, you know, that helps un people understand and, and people read those things and we want to try to get as many of those uh, followers as we can. And if out there you have a premise that you would like us to discuss on the podcast, please let us know. We are at OnPremiseIT on Twitter. Um, you can tweet at us, and uh, maybe you will hear your premise debated on this episode soon in the future. So for Tom Hollingsworth, for our IT luminaries, and for the rest of our Gestalt IT community, thank you very much for tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode.